0: Well, welcome everyone. I want to thank you for joining us again today. It is so good to be together online. And I'm excited about today because we are beginning a brand new series of messages called Graced For It. Now, if you're new to Velocity and maybe you wonder what I mean by series, a series is simply a collection of messages that coalesce around the same theme. So if you just started with us at some point over the last few weeks, We haven't really been in a series. Every week, I've simply been speaking into what all of us have been experiencing. We've talked about fear the first week. We talked about our comfort being disrupted. We talked about having strength and endurance to continue. Then we had an amazing Easter. And last week, I talked about getting our rhythm back. And if you've missed any of those messages, you can find them on our website or on our YouTube channel and revisit them. But as we're seeking to apply last week's message today and get our rhythm back, so I thought it'd be appropriate for us to get into a series around this subject. And because the Word of God is alive and active, I know that this is going to be exactly what you need for what's next. In fact, I want to ask you to do me a favor. You know, the great thing about doing church virtually is that it's never been easier to invite somebody to church. Whatever format you might be watching on, you can just invite a friend right now by simply sending them the link to whatever you're using to watch this message. All you have to do is send them a personal message and let them know that you would love for them to watch with you online. We've made it easy. We've made graphics that you can share and content that you can use on your social media to help your friends experience the hope that's found in Jesus. In fact, that's why we exist, to bring those far from God, near to life in Christ. And if you're watching today, I'm going to give you an invitation at the end of this message to do exactly that. So while you're watching this, I'm actually going to go ahead and do it with you. I'm going to invite one of my friends to join in with the message. And I, her name is Robin. I'm going to send her this text and uh, let her know uh, that I'd love for her to join us. And uh, went ahead and did that. So Robin, I hope that you got this and that you're watching this message, because I believe that God is going to speak to you, just like God is going to speak to so many of our other friends who've been invited right now. Now, I want to explain what this series is all about, because when I say graced for it, you might not have any idea what I mean. Well, in the Bible, grace comes from a Greek word, charis, which literally means a gift or benefit. where we get our word charisma. And in scripture, it's normally associated with the power of the Holy Spirit. But it's important to point out that this isn't specifically a Bible word or a religious word. It's really just another way of saying you're gifted. And the difference is that as Christians, we believe that every good thing in our life comes from God. It doesn't come from our own goodness or ability, but the good things in our lives come from God. So when we say the term graced for it, What we're referring to then is this supernatural empowerment by the Holy Spirit to do whatever lies in front of us. It's not your own natural aptitude. You're graced for it. And that's good news because your current circumstance might be marked by a lot of challenges right now. Uh, Maybe the closeness of family has been more difficult than you initially perceived. Maybe the lack of gatherings has been harder than you anticipated. It could be you're facing challenges in your work, could be facing challenges in your relationships and your finances, or with the demands that are in front of you. What I want you to see through this series is that regardless of whatever the new challenges are that you're facing, you are graced for. You're graced for this season. You're graced to homeschool your kids. You're graced to lead through change and lead in crisis. You're graced to launch new endeavors, graced to manage your responsibilities, graced to love the people in your life well, graced to serve those around you. You are graced for it. And that's the phrase that I want you to remind yourself of over and over as we talk about this concept over the next few weeks. That you're graced for it. Whatever the challenge, whatever the problem, whatever the opportunity, you can do All things through Christ, who gives you strength. Now, for our scripture today, I want us to go to the book of Joshua. And if you're not familiar with Joshua, it's the sixth book in the Bible. So it's towards the beginning. You get through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, then you get to Joshua. And Joshua is a book that is all about transition. There's transition in leadership. There's transition in mentality. There's transition from the wilderness to the promised land. And there's transition from what's familiar to something that's foreign, meaning that these people are facing a brand new situation, a brand new environment, and a brand new set of rules. Now, I'm not sure if there could be anything more applicable than what many of us are facing right now. Many of us have transitioned what school looks like and what our jobs look like, what our commutes look like, what our routines look like. We've transitioned, and the truth is we're going to transition again as we prepare to move forward with whatever the future is going to be. See, at this point in the Bible, the Israelites, who are God's special people, they've been wandering in the desert for 40 years. And Moses, the man who was their deliverer and leader, has now died. Joshua is left with the task of taking them into a place that God had promised them. The only problem is, this was new territory for all of them. None of them had ever been there before. So before they step into this new situation, God gives Joshua some instructions, and then Joshua gives the instructions to the people. And that's exactly where we're going to pick up. It's in verse 1 of the third chapter of this book. So Joshua chapter 3 verse 1 says, Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before." Now, they'd been wandering in circles, but now they're about to take a direct line to their destiny. However, none of them knew what to expect. And you got to keep in mind, they are coming off of 40 years of only knowing desert. They were feeling stretched. God had provided for them, sure, but they'd suffered setbacks of their own unbelief, and they'd felt the pull to go back to what was predictable. And the truth is, whenever our life gets disrupted, within all of us, there's a desire to go back to what was. That's why I want to speak to you from this subject today. Good as new. See, maybe you felt stretched. Maybe you felt worn down. But by the grace of God today, you can be good as new. Now you might know this about me, but I have four children. I have a 13-year-old, a nine-year-old, an eight-year-old, and a four-year-old. And What that means is a couple things. One, it means I really love my wife. And then two, it means that I have a lot of toys at my house. Now the thing about having little kids is that they are constantly playing and constantly breaking the toys that they have. They don't just break their own toys though, they break each other's toys. For example, Pippa, my youngest, uh, she has this doll from Frozen, and it's like her favorite doll. She takes it everywhere she goes. Unfortunately, her brother, who I don't want to embarrass by telling you his name, but his initials are Oliver Jenkins. Well, he thought it'd be a good idea to see how flexible this doll was, and he broke off her head. So for the next hour, my time was spent trying to get this doll to be good as new. Pippa wanted me to fix it. Unfortunately, it's too damaged for repair, and my skills as a fixer are not that great. But whenever you've lost something that you've loved, it takes an emotional toll. That's not just true about toys, it's true for any of us in any situation. I know I'm talking about toys, but think about the Israelites. They'd lost friends and family from wandering in the wilderness. And as exciting as the future might be, the potential of the new also meant new problems. See, Israel was facing a future that would present to them some new challenges. They had a swollen river in front of them. They had giants that wanted to kill them, cities that were resisting them, walls staring them down. And these guys had not fought any battles before. This was completely new ground that they were stepping into. But before they stepped into the problem, God made them a promise. See, God gives them an instruction, and that's what I want you to see. It's that when we have greater need, God has greater grace. You see, God sent them his word at a time when their faith was about to be tested, and his grace that was available was to be a demonstration of his power. I want you to stop and think about that for a moment. Are you in a place where you've never been before, facing something that you have never had to face? Let me encourage you with this. God's purpose doesn't place us in wrong positions. Whatever you're facing, you're graced for. If God brought you to this point, You'll be able to move forward. He's never failed yet, whether it's in guiding a star or directing his people. Scripture says the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. You know, a few weeks ago, I said in my sermon that there is grace for this place. That's been a phrase my family has picked up. And when things have gotten difficult, we've reminded ourselves there is grace for this place. What's interesting about this place where the Israelites are at is that it was called Shittim. Now, that's not interesting for the reasons that you're thinking. I mean, that's too easy of a joke. The reason it's interesting is because that word means the place of Acacias. That might not mean much to you, and honestly, it didn't at first mean that much to me, but the significance of this is that I remembered that the Ark of the Covenant, the one that we read about in our text, the one that they carried into the river, the one that carried the Ten Commandments, the one that signified the presence of God and the promise of God. That Ark of the Covenant was made out of acacia wood. So you got to picture this. The Israelites had been wandering in a desert for 40 years. I don't know if you've ever been in a desert, but there's not a lot that grows there. It's definitely not the place of an abundance of trees. And while they were in the desert, God gives them these Ten Commandments and gives them instructions to build a box To put them in. They had all these specific details about how big this box should be and how it should be decorated and how it should be carried and how they should build it. And while they're in the desert, the place of desolation, they're told to make this box from this very specific tree. Now, the Bible doesn't elaborate on what would have been involved in making the ark in terms of like how many trees it took or how long it took them to find and gather the materials, but it was very specific on what materials were required. And over and over again, you see it mention acacia wood. That's why I thought it was interesting that before they're about to embark into the future, God positions them with a reminder of his presence. Because when we have greater need, God has greater grace. Don't forget that. So don't let what looks grueling keep you from receiving the grace that you've been granted. God's been getting you ready for this. I bet if you stop and you open up your eyes, you'll see that he's been putting reminders of his presence all around you. What's in front of you might seem daunting, but with Christ, it's doable because greater is he who is in you than whatever it is you're facing in the world. So God gave them a grace. He placed a reminder of his presence all around them. But then That's why what happens next was kind of baffling to me, because the next verse says that when Joshua gave the orders to the people, he told them, when you see the Ark of the Covenant, the Lord your God, and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. In other words, before you can move into where he's calling you, you got to move out of where you've been camping. And then it says, then you will know which way to go since you've never been this way before, but keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark and do not go near it. Now, to me, that seems a little crazy because if there was ever a time when they need God's presence to be close, it would be now. Again, bigger challenges new battles, more problems, and God says, hey, before you can move forward, you need to learn to create some space, and not just a little space, 2,000 cubits. That's a lot of cubits. It's roughly 10 football fields. It's about a thousand yards. It's almost half a mile. And some of you are like, I get it. Social distancing. God didn't want to be around people either. No, that is not what's going on here. It might be helpful for me to explain that this is really a picture because what's happening is not only history. See, the promised land that they were going into represents God's purpose for your life. It represents his best for you and the things he's promised. And the picture that it paints is really interesting because like in the back of the Bible, there's some maps and usually those maps don't seem that important because you don't use those when you preach, you use words. But in the generation under Moses, They went around and around and around one area. And maybe that's hitting close to home for some of you because you've been going around and around and around without ever entering into what God has for you. Because now they are at the end of a wilderness and on the brink of a breakthrough. But God needs to give them a perspective shift so they can possess his promise. And that's the key to understanding why he says, keep your distance. See, it's estimated that there would have been somewhere around two million Israelites camped out waiting to cross over. So God wasn't trying to distance himself from his people. He wanted to be out in front far enough that they could follow. See, it wasn't about proximity. It was about perspective. And that's the question for you. Do you have the right perspective? Remember, the Ark of the Covenant symbolized God's presence and his promise. So God had to get out in front far enough that these two million people would be able to keep his presence and his promise in perspective. And I'm concerned that like the Israelites, some of us have been living too close to the edge and have lost our perspective on what God has promised. Can I tell you, now is a time to back up and create some margin in your life. I wonder if that's what this shelter in place has been doing for some of us, helping us see just how little margin we've had in our lives. And I know everybody's situation is different. Some of you, your demands have decreased. Some of you, your demands have actually increased. But regardless of where you are currently, if your lifestyle is one that does not have reserve for the unseen and unknown seasons of change and shortage, it's time to create some margin and understand I'm not putting shame or condemnation on you. I'm here to encourage you that you can certainly do it. You are graced for it. This is the time. This is the season. This is the month. This is the message that's coming to you as a gift from God, which says this is what it takes to enter into the promised land. You've never been here before. So I want you to create some space before you can move into what I have for you. Now, look, I'm not simply talking about financial margin or time margin. All of those things apply. But I'm talking about, are you creating space in your life for God to be the leader? When you've got no margin in your life, you're not allowing God to lead. And God wants to be the leader. And let me show you what happens when you do. Because in the next verse, verse 5, it says that Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. See, when you allow God to go before you, his power will work among you. That's the grace that's available when you choose to follow God. It's allowing him to be the leader and you surrendering control. And in my study this week, it caught my attention that God's instruction was for them to consecrate themselves. Now, if you don't know it, that word literally means to set apart. It means to make holy by making separate. In Bible times, when people would consecrate themselves, they would separate themselves from others. They would wash their entire body in order to prepare for the work that God had for them. Now, if that doesn't sound like a quarantine to you, I don't know what is, but the point I'm trying to make is that what if we shifted our perspective about this whole season? What if we made our time of isolation a time of consecration? We might be separated right now, but that doesn't mean that you have to stand idle. You can use this time to be set up for service. We can use this season to be prepared because what God wants to take us into, but it all starts with your perspective. And a lot of our present perspective is being informed by our own forecast of the future. I'm curious, what are you expecting the future to hold for you? Is your forecast bleak? Are you thinking about how much this is going to set you back? Because can I tell you, how you regard tomorrow determines how you respond today. Look, if you're anticipating being sheltered in place till the fall, you're not even going to bother working on your beach body, right? But if you are looking forward to a day when you are in the promised land, then you're using this season to prepare And the promised land represented the fulfillment of their hopes and dreams. It was a picture of what life could be like. It was everything they had been looking forward to and everything they had been longing for. Now, they had never been this way before. It was going to be new. They hadn't experienced the future that was in store for them. But it was a future that they could look forward to. And what's been encouraging me is to remember that even though I've never been this way before, That doesn't mean that God has never been this way before. This was new to all the Israelites, but this was the place that God had promised to Abraham centuries earlier. And how do you know that everything you're facing and experiencing right now isn't exactly to move you into the place that God has planned for you all along? You know, there are some things that, frankly, I don't care to go back to when all of this is over. I hear everybody talking about getting back to normal but what is normal? I mean anxiety, overcrowded schedules. You really want to go back to that. I mean normal for the Israelites was wandering in the desert without a home. Before that normal was being a slave in Egypt. I don't know that normal is what we're trying to get back to. The new is what we have to look forward to and the best part about this season is that when you can't return to normal you can turn to Jesus. Man, it would trouble me if all of you would go through this and nothing would change in your time with God. Now look, I cannot wait to gather. I cannot wait to see all of your faces. I want to give you a hug as soon as I'm able. I can't wait for us to be worshiping together in the same place. It's important. It matters. It makes a difference. But what these last several weeks have showed me You really don't have any more of God than you have in your everyday life. You really don't have much if all you have of church is at church. You've got to have church in your everyday walk in life. So as we walk into this next season, we need a perspective that understands some things will be different and some things will be new, but the new isn't bad. In fact, that's the whole point of my message, is that we would see good as new. The truth is, a lot of us don't like new. Let me put it this way. We like new, we just don't like brand new. We want a new version of the old thing. When I couldn't fix Pippa's doll, I ended up buying her a new one. Not the same one, but a completely different one. And she didn't like it. It wasn't the one that she had before. This was a brand new doll, but she didn't realize when I first gave it to her that this new one was so much better. This new one could sing. Why I thought that was a good idea, I don't know. But this new one had more options. This new one had more benefits. This new one, simply put, was new. But like Pippa, most of us won't accept the good gift, even the grace gift that God wants to give us because it's new. And the reason we don't embrace the new is because we overestimate the value of what we had and we underestimate the value of what we'll gain by giving it up. Well, the good news is Pippa came around, and now you can't separate her from the doll, and my house is filled with singing. I'm embracing the grace of the new. But look, I don't have any predictions to make about how things are going to change. Besides, my predictions aren't going to do anyone any good anyway, but I do know this, that if you begin to see good as new, that the good thing God wants to do in your life is going to be a new thing God wants to do in your life, then you'll be graced for it. God said, you've never been this way before, but tomorrow I'm going to do amazing things among you. Look, I know we're into the second quarter of the year already. I know that 2020 has been different than most of us expected, but I'm confident of this, that this will still be your best year yet because you're graced for it. It's going to be different. It's going to be a brand new experience for most of us, but I've noticed that God brings good into our life as new. And maybe God wants to do a brand new work in your life today. Maybe the brand new work that he wants to invite you into is a relationship with his son, Jesus. If you're here watching this message and you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, it would be my absolute privilege to invite you into a relationship with him. This is what scripture says. That all of us have sinned, and all of us have fallen short of God's standard. But the good news of the gospel, the grace that God extends, is that we don't get to God based off our own efforts. We don't get to God based off our own merits. God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. And if we'll receive the gift, if we'll receive the grace, we can be saved. Scripture also says that this is how we're saved, by confessing Jesus as Lord with our mouth, faith in our heart, and confession with our mouth. If you want to do that today, I want to lead you in a prayer. It's real simple. And at our church, nobody prays alone. We all pray together. There's a couple things you can do. One, if you would indicate that by just clicking on that button that says, I want to accept Christ, that'll let us know that you want to do this. There'll be a form that pops up. We'd love for you to fill that out so we can send you a free gift. And then secondly, what you can do is pray this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge my need for you. I believe in what you did for me. How you died on the cross for my sin. And you got up from the grave. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. I receive your free gift right now. In Jesus' name, amen.